Welcome to the Seek First CEO Podcast, a community for high-achieving kingdom women committed to seeking God first and keeping God first in all we do. If you believe you're called to impact the world through your gifts, then you're in the right place. Hi, friend. I'm Heather, teacher turned speaker and your host of the Seek First CEO Podcast. I'm passionate about helping ambitious, servant-hearted women find their worth in whose they are, not what they do. As a certified master neuroscience life coach, I help you connect the dots between biblical principles and brain science so you can take your thoughts captive and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I don't do surface, so we go deep here and we talk about the stuff underneath the surface because I wanna help you get to the source of your heart set and mindset roadblocks so you can have breakthrough by aligning your heart and mind with biblical truths. If your heart's desire is to grow in your relationship with Jesus, while fearlessly fulfilling your purpose and calling, then let's open up the word together and see what the Holy Spirit has to say about living your life in flow with Him. Are you ready? Then get excited for today's episode. Hello, sister friend. I hope you are ready to talk about a topic that is sometimes uncomfortable and it shouldn't be. Jesus talked a lot about money. God shows us many examples throughout scripture and this idea of prosperity. I am going to tackle this topic that has been something the Lord has continuing to teach me in my own life. And it's something we need to get really comfortable talking about in the church. So from a business perspective, we are tackling abundance. We're tackling prosperity. We're tackling what does all of this mean from a biblical perspective? And if you're loving this content from this week, by the way, there's two more videos, but if you're loving this, I cannot invite you or encourage you really enough to invite you to become an inner circle member where you're going to get mentoring, coaching, teaching from myself, my team. You're going to be surrounded by other incredible kingdom entrepreneurs, kingdom CEOs who are committed to seeking God first and keeping God first in their business. So let's dive in. Who here believes that you are called to speak? Who believes that you are called to speak? I, I just feel like there are some women here who might be watching what I'm doing and you're like, man, I would love to do something like that. Can I encourage you that God wants you to use your mouth? In fact, this is the decade of the pay. Pay in Hebrew stands for mouth. And so we're in the, when we look at God's calendar, different than our our Gregorian calendar, you know, 2022, that's our calendar, all the months. So when we look at in the Bible and we read in the month of, and they talk about all these different months. And so God has a calendar too. And when I've dove really deeply into that, if you want to check out more on the podcast, you can do that. Um, I've done that last year. I went all deep in that, but I just want to encourage you that, um, God wants to use your voice. This is the decade of the pay. It's five, seven, eight, zero. We're actually, we're actually getting, we're wrapping up the uh, last month in this, uh, the Hebrew calendar, and we're going to go into a new year. So it's our 12th month right now. And it is the decade of the pay. So I, I just feel like there's somebody who God wants to use your voice and you don't feel qualified and you maybe feel like, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to do it? I mean, I talked about I, I, I don't always speak perfectly. I say ums, all the things, but when I feel, I just want to say this. So as I was thinking about yesterday, um, I felt the Lord on, like I felt the Holy Spirit speaking through me yesterday. There's a difference between that and me speaking in my own strength and in my own knowledge and my own wisdom, like all of that. Um, and so I just encourage you that you, when the Holy Spirit is, connect, you and him are connected and you allow him to speak through you, 
way better things will come out of your mouth than what you could ever say. So I just want to encourage you. I feel like someone here is, uh, some people here are meant to be speakers. They're meant to be a mouth. We're all meant to be a mouthpiece for the Lord. That's part of what we get to do through our business. But I just want to encourage you. So um, that's a little side note. Let's dive in because goodness gracious, as I kept adding stuff to the slides and, you know, and taking different things, I was like, okay, this is, this could be literally something we talk about for an entire year. In fact, this is one of the main areas the Lord has continued to refine my heart and to renew my mind. And so I share everything today, not because I have arrived and I figured out money and that I am the best, you know, whether it's the mindset or stewarding it or a lot of things we're going to talk about today. A lot of this content that I'm sharing with you today is through my own struggles, through my own, um, fears through my own, the lies that I have been believing of the enemy. And so I pray, and I really believe that God wants to, like I said yesterday, break some chains. I believe that he wants freedom and breakthrough in this area specifically. And so I'm ready to dive in and to pour into you <clears throat> and just let the Lord do whatever he wants to do. So if you are ready for it, tell me, drop below, show me the money. Show me the money. So before we get started, I do want to pray. So Father, I thank you. I thank you that as a reminder, you are the source. Everything and everyone, anything else is a resource. God, I pray that we start to see money from your kingdom perspective today. Lord, I pray that as you have walked me through the fire with money, um, making a lot, losing it all, all the things, Lord, that as you continue to refine my heart around this topic, Father, I pray that freedom is experienced um, through the truth of what you have to say about money. And Lord, I pray for the minds and the hearts that are listening to this, whether they're live or watching the replay or listening to the podcast, um, that you speak to them so intimately into the areas and the spaces and places of their heart and mind that need renewed and refreshed with truth. And we thank you for what this is going to do for the kingdom. God, as you uh, just allow me to speak, thank you for this opportunity. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, anoint my lips, say what would point women back to you to give them truth um, and, and who you are. All for your glory and honor in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Show me the money. Let's do it, Wendy. Awesome. Wendy joined the inner circle. I saw that. I'm super excited to welcome you. We actually have a call today. So for those of you, it'll be right after this. Uh, so I do have a time limit here. I've got to get this, all this goodness in. So money, goodness gracious. Why is this often uncomfortable for us to talk about? I don't even want to say just Christians, even other people seem to be uncomfortable talking about money. Well, guess what? The Bible talks a lot about money. In fact, the little research, there's over about, there's over 2000 verses about money. So if Jesus talked about it, if God talked about it in the new Testament and the old Testament, then we are going to talk about it. So my heart for you today, my goal for you today is to help you see money from a kingdom perspective so that you can start making more of it. Now, making more of it is not the only goal, but as you'll hear throughout the teaching, right? You need money to live. You need money. God created it that way, right? Um, you need money to run a business. And so it is a need. It is and money is one of the resources that God wants to give us in order for us to fulfill our calling. Here's the deal. You can't give what you haven't received. And I tend to work with a lot of ambitious, high achieving, you know, I use those words a lot, that kind of an entrepreneur, that kind of a CEO, that kind of a businesswoman. And she's also very servant hearted. 
And so she really wants to do good things for people, whether that's, you know, I, I work with a lot of women who have hearts for missions and different things, whether that's adoption or, you know, building water wells over here or just serving people in their own community, the homeless or the, all of the things. And yet struggle to have the resources to do those things. And so that's my question to you is, how can we feed the sick, help the homeless, take care of orphans and widows like the Bible calls us to do if we don't have the money to do so? This is a hot topic. And I pray that you are able to receive what it is the Lord wants to give you today. And that literally, I feel like there's going to be chains broken off. Um, spirits and and just the demonic like the devil has a stronghold on so many believers minds around money and so i just believe that there's going to be freedom after this lesson today so are you ready let's do it all right when i say the word money i want you to drop in the comments what is the first thought the first emotion the first feeling whether that's a phrase or a feeling what is the first thing that bubbles up for you drop that in the comments let me know what you feel like comes up for you. Uh, when I say the word money coming into this, you have feelings. You're like, oh man, what's this girl going to tell me? Uh, what's she going to share with us today? Wendy, thank you for being um, just transparent. Not enough. How many of you feel like that? Not enough. How do you feel like it's, um, it's, it's hard, right, to make money in your business or whatever. So I think the not enough, a couple not enoughs, yes. So ready for overflow, yes and amen. Mandy, I love it. In this season, stress, okay, there you go. Um, stress, it's stressful, money is stressful. Listen, money is a huge area of contention with marriages. It's a huge area, uh, it's a, a huge area in businesses, right, where things fail when money, money is not where it, um, needs to be or should be. Okay, so if you remember from day one and day two, we talked a little bit about those feelings that you have. Those feelings that you have right there about money, they are like flashlights. They're shining a light into your thoughts, into your beliefs that you have about money. And we talked a little bit about this. Your thoughts about money are a direct impact to your bank account. Your thoughts about money are a direct impact to the success financially. There's all different types of success, but we'll talk about, we're going to talk a lot about money today. And so um, the, six, the financial success of your business. So when you have thoughts like not enough, let me just ask you, do you think that's serving you in a good way? Do you think a good thought and a belief is tied around that? Right. Do you, uh, icky, someone, Brittany said she shares it. She used to think it was icky. Now, Brittany's in the inner circle. So we've done some work around money, right? So she's like, hey, I used to think this, right? Um, what you think about money has a direct impact on your life today. And so I want to share with you some thoughts. I got a new Bible uh, this year and it's written uh, by Mammon Press and it's called the Money Bible. So I want to read you a couple verses that come from this Bible. Philippians 4, 19. And my money will supply every need. Has anyone else had this Bible? Anyone else like read, you read it this morning? And my money will supply my every need. Uh, well, I have other Bibles too. And so my other Bible actually says that God will supply my every need. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought that money was what you needed more of to fulfill your needs, to fulfill you? I have. 
part of that is why we work, right? Because we do need the money. But if we can replace a God, if we can replace God with any thoughts around money, thinking that money and wealth and things and possessions will give, be the answer for our problems, then we have some mindset and heart set issues around money. And this very well could be a sign that the spirit of mammon has been deceiving you. And I want you to know, listen, if this resonates with you and you're like, oh, there is no shame in this. There is freedom to be had today. All I kept hearing was the word freedom, 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 freedom. Jesus wants to free you from the slave, uh, like that mind mentality and that, that the lies around money, that the spirit of mammon has been and is plaguing people today. We're talking a little bit about that. Listen, if I start talking about spirits and demons, please don't be afraid. Um, depending on what kind of a church you grew up in, listen, the Bible tells us that we are not warring against people and flesh. We are warring against spirits, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness. We have to make spiritual and demonic type talk, not be this scary thing, but this thing that we have the authority and power through Jesus and the blood to overcome. We can't be afraid of this stuff. We have to come and fight it with truth. So let's take a look at this verse, Acts 2.21. And it shall be that everyone who has money shall be saved. The other Bible that I have says, and it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus shall be saved. Really though, how many times do we think money is going to save us? Money is going to solve our problems. Money is going to make us happy. I don't know. Maybe I should throw out this Bible, this other one that I uh, have found. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your bank account. And, and then we can laugh and chuckle at this, but really let's just stop and say, Holy Spirit, show me, are there lies that I'm believing? Are there things that I have been replacing with truth, with lies of the enemy? Do you think your life will be transformed with more money? It would be better. Now, listen, money does change things. And I believe that's why the enemy wants to hold you back from receiving more of it because money does change things. But money is simply a tool. It's not our answer to our problems. It's a tool that God blesses us with. It's a resource that God blesses us with because he is the source and he's a good father and he wants to give us the things that we need to fulfill our assignment and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So oftentimes as we're waiting for more money, I think God wants to change us before he's concerned about changing our money situation. And I pray that today that is what he's doing. He's going to change your heart, change your mind, change maybe some things that you were taught, maybe things that you've learned to believe about money so that he can change your money situation. I always say that God needs to do, God wants to do a work in us before he can do a work through us. And that ambitious servant hearted woman who wants God to use her so many times, he's like, I want to use you. And before I do that, I've got to do a work inside of you so that then when I give you the money, you steward it well. When I give you the money, you, you, you don't ever think that it is your God, that it replaces me, that you don't need me. So if you have ever looked at scripture and replaced the word money with God or Jesus, then you have partnered with the spirit of mammon. And the first commandment is that thou shalt have no other gods before me. Money is one of the most common idols and, God, and gods that we, that we have. So if this is hitting home, I want to encourage you today. Jesus wants to free you. 
So thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting us. I continue to be convicted when I get this slightly changed a little bit and out of sync with the Lord. So if he is convicting you, I'm going to walk you through how we can, um, what we can do about that, right? So let's just talk about this. What is mammon? In Luke 6, 13, we read that it says, no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Not to be confused with manna, okay? Mammon, mammon is mentioned a few times in scripture, not a ton, but it is mentioned several times. And I believe it's one of the things holding many Christian entrepreneurs back from making and receiving more of it. So mammon is the Aramaic translation for the word wealth. It was also the name of a Syrian God of riches. Listen, the spiritual realm is real. It's not just this mystical idea. It is real. And the devil is using these spirits. They're like this team that they're coming together and they are getting, they want to get us away from God. So the spirit of mammon wants to take place of God, right? Putting those verses of money and, and whether that's, and, and money and wealth shows up in a lot of different ways. It's not just the actual money, right? It might be your business, whatever that is. But mammon wants to essentially take the place of God. All idols want to take the place of God. The altar is so powerful. And I believe God wants to bring us to the altar today, his altar, and say, what have you been praying to? What have you been sacrificing? And so bring these lies and put it on the altar so that we can get rid of these things. You, the spirit of mammon wants you to believe that you don't need God. If you have wealth and you don't need God. Now, let me just give you a little personal testimony. So when I was uh, in my most profitably successful business, I was making more money in a month, in one month, than I was as a teacher in an entire year. And I knew it was from God. I had no doubt. I felt like, what is going on? All the things. But can I just tell you how the spirit of mammon started to, um, and another spirit, which we'll talk a little about later. The spirit of mammon was like, huh. Uh, you know, it, it made me start to, the more I made, and this is where I want you to get, like the more you make, if you still have heart issues, heart, like if your heart set is not right, you're going to, you're still going to have problems. And so I kept thinking, man, if, if, if God took this away, then my life would change and things would be a problem. And so maybe it's not so much like, oh, making more will change my life. What if it's like, what if God took this away? My life would change. And so what do I have to do to keep up with this? What do I have to do to keep earning this goodness from God and these blessings? And so then it just became this love of money. And while I even knew it was from God, I had some twisted things about it and I had some twisted heart and mindsets about it. So the spirit of mammon wants to take the place of God. It tells you that it will solve all your problems if you have this wealth and you don't need him. It promises significance. It promises independence. It promises power. And it tries to get you to believe that having more wealth solves your problems and will bring you happiness, fulfillment, power, and safety. Can I tell you what I hear often in the entrepreneur space? Freedom. I just want freedom of finances. And while I understand what that means, there could be an unhealthy dose of that thinking, wait a second, I just have to tell you what Jesus told me is he is the only true freedom that I have. And in him, I have full freedom of everything, finances, health, all of the things I have freedom where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So sometimes we can, again, this is just a subtle way for the, for um, the spirit of mammon to say, Hey, if you just had freedom of finances, your life would be better. 
Mm, if you had freedom of time, your life would be, if you had freedom, no, the only freedom that we find is in Jesus and he is our source and he can use money to be a resource of that. So here is where we see some examples of the spirit's influence in the story of the rich young ruler. If you know about the rich young ruler, he was like fascinated by Jesus, wanted to follow him. And yet Jesus said, if you follow me, sell all your things. And guess what that rich young ruler did? Say that 10 times fast, rich young ruler. He couldn't do it. There was this tug. Ooh, maybe my significance would be less than. Maybe I would not feel as fulfilled. I don't know, but I just pray that my heart, and listen, we can be like that rich young ruler sometimes. Jesus says, I have everything you need. Follow me, follow me, follow me. And we're like, ooh, but I can't give up my TV time. Ooh, I can't give up my, and there's nothing wrong with watching TV. Lord has healed me of that. Um, I used to judge all of you because you watch TV and you'd posted about it online, uh, binging on Netflix, uh, but uh, we need to enjoy things. I talked about that the other day. We need to have like relaxation, but sometimes Jesus is like, follow me, follow me, follow me. And we fall for the temptations of other things. The rich young ruler didn't want to sell everything because he thought it wouldn't be as good as man. I want to know Jesus. I want what you have. And it's, it's more than enough. It is, it is the prize. We also see the influence of the spirit of mammon in the prodigal son. Many of you know the story, right? Because he got wealth and then he was like, see ya, dad, see ya, fam. I'm going to go live this awesome life. And what did he do? He made some really bad decisions with his money. Some of us are making bad decisions now and it's preventing us from actually making more money because God's like, I gave it to you to steward in the right way and you're making bad decisions. And I can't give you more of it. But can I give you... The hope of that, right? He ended up eating out of a trough and then realizing, wait, my dad owns things and I don't have to be eating out of here. I can have it better. So he was missing out on what his father freely gave him. He was going to other places to fulfill his, his desires and his needs. But can I just encourage you, God, if that is you, there is no shame. God is beckoning you. He has your royal, your, your robe. He has the signet ring. He has a feast waiting for you to come back to him today and say, Jesus, you have everything I need. And in fact, the father ran to the son. He didn't wait for the son. Jesus is not waiting. Jesus is not just waiting for you to come back to him and say, I want you to be my first love. Jesus is running to you today. I literally, I have this image that he is running to you today. He's not just waiting and he wants to clothe you in the royalty that he paid the price for you to have. So if you are realizing that, oh my gosh, this is speaking to me. And I think, oh my gosh, maybe, may, maybe I have been like influenced and uh, been wrapped up in this spirit of mammon. There is hope. There is freedom for you today in your workbook. I actually created an exercise for you to actually break the spirit of mammon off of you. Now, again, depending on how you were raised, this might sound a little scary. Listen, um, demons are real. Spirits are real. And when you have sin in your life, one of, I think the most accepted sins is fear. Did you know that fear is a sin? Because what a sin is, it means you coming into agreement with, you have something in common with the dark, the kingdom of darkness. You have something, and whether that was you, your choosing, right? Or somebody else's influence, whatever that is, sin is in common. You have stuff in common with the devil. And what that does is that opens a door for you to be influenced by spirits. It's a really simple process and I have it written in the workbook. And so I encourage you again, and we can pray at the end of this, perhaps you, there's a, there's some keys to breaking this spirit away and saying like, ah, and there's a difference between demon possession and demon and oppression. So if you have the Holy spirit inside of you, you cannot be demon possessed, but you absolutely can be oppressed. 
And again, I believe this is one of the reasons why so many entrepreneurs are struggling because they're oppressed. They are being influenced by spirits and it ain't the holy one. So simply ask the Lord, is this me? Have I been being influenced by this spirit that is trying to convince me that money and wealth are the things that I need and it's not you? Oh my goodness. Okay. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting us. That's his job. And he's so kind to do it. Once you've got to know the Lord, depending on, again, that relationship you have with him, you see conviction as a beautiful, beautiful gift of, of the Lord. So you repent, you say out loud, God, forgive me for putting an, another God, uh, having another altar, uh, worshiping something else, another idol that is not you, that's putting it above you, that's thinking it's better than you and that it's, can, it can help and serve and all those things. And then renouncing. So we have to learn this thing here. Um, repenting is for you and God, right? Renouncing is for you and the devil. And you saying out loud, listen, the devil cannot read your mind. He can influence your mind by putting thoughts, you know, trying to get you to think things and do things. He cannot read your mind. So your prayers that are quiet, he does not hear those. So I want to encourage you to use your mouth back to the mouth. Your mouth is a, you are a mouthpiece for the Lord and what you speak matters. So renouncing things really is essentially declaring, decreeing, and coming out of agreement with whatever lie you have been believing. And then reclaiming God's truth, declaring his truth that he is your source. He is what you need. Again, I have a step-by-step process you can look at the workbook at. Um, and this can be a very personal thing with you and the Lord. But God wants to give you freedom from this spirit. All right. So what if I told you that most of the things you believe about money were actually, they're not your fault. That's the image of this precious little girl with these chubby little cheeks and little pigtails. Uh, that was you at one time. You were a little girl and you were influenced by the things around you. So we talk a little bit about the brain science that you as a child were not able to decide between right and wrong, good or bad, true or false. All you knew was, and, and to this day, all you know is what you're told. So depending on the language of your home, depending on the, the things you saw in your life, those started to impact what you believe about money. In fact, this little girl, she is not even close to having her, what we call the prefrontal cortex being developed. A lot of that's for your logic, your reasoning, right? That ability to, ah, right? And the, the, there is no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit that I have, that pastors have, that people you look up to have, have, um, that your grandma has is the same Holy Spirit in little, little people if they've received him. However, your brain is, uh, there's a developmental process. And so, so many of the issues you have with money, can I just like give you some hope today? It's, it's not your fault and it's not your, but it is your battle to fight. Some of you are breaking generational curses around wealth. And that is your assignment. That is your, that is your thing that you're doing. I want you to know who here believes they are meant to break generational curses around wealth, around money. Has your, has your family had some like, just really air quote, bad luck. Um, maybe, maybe you did not grow up in an affluent, uh, family and, and you just have never experienced uh, abundance and, and financial Listen, we're going to talk more about this, but I just want to encourage you that so many of your issues today, they are not your problem, but they are your battle to fight with the Lord. So you can't just stay stagnant and stay stuck. God's saying, wait a second. I want to show you the tools to help you get unstuck so that you can actually do the work that Jesus did. 
Going back to the verse, it says, if you believe in me, if you really believe in me, you will do the same works I did and even greater. Too many believers are walking around broken and they're limping and they have souls that have just have wounds. And we're talking a little bit more about that on Friday that are preventing them from actually doing the thing that Jesus created us to do. So I have some questions. These are in your workbook too, that you can go deeper because these are very deep. These are very personal, but I just want to ask you some questions to heart, start to get your heart stirred. My mastermind, uh, it's really more of a mentor mind. I'm mentoring you and it's a mastermind all around the made to flow Academy is really about this. I'm giving you some of the content I walk women through here today. These are the things usually plaguing people around money. So I just want you to think about this. What conversations did you hear about money in your home growing up? Did you hear your parents talk about money? Did you grow up with, we don't have, we don't have enough. We don't, we don't have enough money to pay for that. Or that's too expensive. Or were your parents frivolous? And maybe they tried to like buy your love and bought you a lot of things. And, and so maybe there's that story around money, but what did you, what conversations did you hear about money growing up? Another question, what did you observe about rich people growing up? Did you live next to people who was kind of obvious that they had a lot of money and you did too, and it wasn't even a thought? Did you, were you around rich people and maybe you thought that they were, they were evil or they were bad? What did you observe about poor people? Would you have considered yourself poor when you saw maybe a homeless person or a person less financially well off? What did you think? What did your parents say? What did you say? What do you believe about spending money? Right? What do you believe about saving money? What were you taught about money growing up? Debt. How, how was debt handled in your, in your family? This, these are all very deep questions. They're not like a quick little answer here. Uh, but what did you believe? What were you taught about money? So if you were taught it, guess what? Chances are you believed it because that thought, those words, that those, and sometimes we refer to this as strongholds, these like deeply rooted beliefs that we have, they were just told to us. And so we heard it all the time. That became truth. That became normal. That became real. Again, it's not your fault and it is your battle to fight. And I am here to fight with you so that we can redefine this from a biblical perspective. So I want to share with you some money myths. Again, I believe as you start to see this, you'll start to see, okay, maybe I have some issues with money here. So this is more of a worldly myth, I think, that money will solve your problems. Um, but I think so many of us have fallen for it, right? We talked about that spirit of mammon. The world tells us money is going to solve our problems. If we just work harder, if you just hustle a little bit more, you don't want it bad enough because you're not doing what they won't do. I really despise that, that quote or that phrase. It's like, I'm doing now what nobody else will do so that I can have what nobody else will have later. Listen, you cannot outwork God's blessings for your life. And if I go back to Deuteronomy, it says I am blessed when I go in. I am blessed when I go out. I am blessed in the field. I am blessed in the city. If I truly believe that I am blessed, I don't have to outwork. God's blessings for me. That is the same for you. So it's not about working harder and hustling more and proving yourself. It's about being positioned and pruned enough so that God sees us as ready. Jesus is the one who already solved our problems over 2000 years ago on the cross. And this is the core of the gospel. Jesus already solved all of our problems through his blood and his sacrifice. The world teaches us that money gives us worth, money gives us power, money gives us fame. Jesus already 
declared us as worthy. He died for our sins. Jesus already says, I want to use you even when you don't feel qualified. I want to put you in places and spaces, whether that's a stage or not. Stages can look a whole lot of different, right? I'm called to speak. So of course, that's probably going to look a little bit more like a stage, literally. But you all have a stage that God has you on a platform that God's like, I want to use you for my glory, his glory and power. Do you realize the power that you have through the Holy Spirit? Literally, it's referred to as dunamis. The dunamis power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. Now, listen, the problem is so many of us aren't actually like turning that on and saying, okay, I actually have that power. Some of us don't even realize, and I was in this, most of my life, I didn't even realize what that actually meant. And then I was like, wait a second, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that healed the sick, that did all these things is actually living inside of me. And then I go back to the verse that just kind of haunts me in a good way. If you believe in me, you will do these things. You already have power, regardless of how much money or wealth you have. We already covered your worth in day one, right? So you have value and worth just because you're a child of God, not because you have a six figure, a seven figure, an eight figure business. Listen, I started to despise that tagline. I am an entrepreneur of a six, seven, eight figure business. Um, I actually took it out for a long time. And then a couple of people were like, well, that kind of shows people that you've done it. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I you know, had to lose a lot to find it all. But anyways, I, I, that, that does not make me valuable. I am valuable and you are valuable because Jesus said, you're worth it. I'm going to die for you. And I want to be in relationship and communion with you. So I'm going to go to the cross and cover your sins, past, present, and future. Money is not going to solve your problems. I do believe that money, like people with money do have an influence and they do have that sense of power. But as born again believers, we have that power already. Second Timothy 1.17 says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So let's be honest. Sometimes we get it twisted and think that the money God gave us, that's what makes us confident. That's what gives us the power. That's what makes us lovable. That's what, um, you know, would just show us as having this ability to, um, to make good decisions now that we have the money. So this phrase is taken from the Greek word sophron, I can't even say it, sophronio, which is a compound word combining sozo and phronio. The Greek word sozo means to be saved or delivered. It suggests something that is delivered, rescued, revived, salvaged, and protected is now safe and secure. You are safe, you are secure in Jesus and Jesus alone. So do you see the influence that money has had on many minds? The power inside of us through the Holy Spirit, you have access to that today. So let's take a look at this next money myth. Money myth number two, money is evil. This is one of the most common ones we probably hear, right? Money is evil. Money is the root of all evil. If we go back to scripture, that is not what the scripture says. Listen, this is why you need to be in your Bible. You read it yourself. Don't just take what the pastor says. Man, I will tell you what. There are some pastors who have, they are amazing speakers. Like they are gifted. And some of the things they say are not biblical. So I just want to encourage you. The Bible says to test everything and only hold on to what is true. The Bible does not say that money is evil. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And that goes back to that spirit of mammon. First Timothy 6, 10 says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You can be ambitious and want to earn more money. That's not wrong. 
but the craving money, the thinking the money will solve the problems, that the money is the issue, right? That's where it goes a little too far. And then the opposite side of that is you're scared to make money, right? Because maybe you were taught that rich people are bad and they are they cheat people and they're they they got that way because they had to like step on the, the small person or step, you know, cheat people out. God used a lot of wealthy people in the Bible. And I believe he wants to transfer that wealth to us so that we can carry out our calling. So let's look at money myth number three. Jesus was poor. It's probably one of my favorites. Friends, I grew up thinking that Jesus was poor. In fact, I went to a church that like most people had like holes in the bottom of their vehicles. And while my family was by no means like rich or wealthy, um, you know, I just, I feel like a lot of, it just, I had this idea that I had to sacrifice everything and that I had to be poor and that poor was actually like holy. Um, yes, Jesus was born in a barn. And yes, uh, we, we see that he did live a low life so that we could have, we could have everything. However, I want you, even though we think he was born in a barn, his parents were poor, all that, like nothing about that screams money or wealth. We have to really take a look at scripture to understand Jesus and his money situation. So I want to give you some food for thought today, but Jesus was not poor. And yes, the Bible says that he came, right? He gave it all up to become human and to be poor so that we can have it. But I want to see because Jesus is connected to the father. And do you think God is poor? Jesus is actually God in the flesh. And was, so while he was human and man, he also was still connected to God, the father. So let me just uh, give you some ideas. So you know about the three wise men, right? Those three wise men were called magi. They were, they were kings. That's what a magi was. They were royalty, honoring royalty. These kings were coming and saying, hey, we're going to honor this new king. Jesus is the king of kings. You are a king. Jesus is the king of all kings. And this, these kings were coming to honor Jesus. While Christmas, you know, likes to make us believe that Jesus received gifts from these wise men in this barn, well, that's not all actually true. So theologians believe that they didn't really find Jesus. They didn't get to there, the North Star, right? They didn't actually get to him until he was a toddler-ish, around to give or take. Um, but when these magi brought him this gold, frankincense, and myrrh, it's actually very likely that it was not just three kings. So there is a Christian millionaire, his name's Peter Daniels. He commissioned a team of historians to actually research this and all the Magi, the Kings, and all the gifts that were brought to Jesus when he was born. They concluded that there were over 300 Kings who brought Jesus gifts. And if you know any idea and you can start to look at how much was gold, how much was frankincense, how much were all these things worth, they actually calculated an estimate of $4 million of worth to today's standards. Now, I don't know about you, but if your mom had a baby shower, if you had a baby shower, did it, I don't know, maybe, maybe you are a trust fund baby or maybe, I don't know, but like most people don't get this as a child, millions and millions of dollars. So let me ask you a question. If Mary and Joseph, who we do believe that they were poor because they actually sacrificed the doves whenever it was time to go to the temple, when they dedicated Jesus, they, they sacrificed a pair of turtle doves or pigeons. I, I don't know if we know exactly which one, but that was the poor person's sacrifice, right? But how are they able to travel to Egypt after Jesus was born? How are they able to, how are they able to continue to do things, right? So a lot of the reasons scholars believe that they were able to do this is because Jesus and what he received. And then how do you think, you know, Jesus was a carpenter, 
he was a, he was an entrepreneur. How do you think he was able to start his ministry? Perhaps it was because of the inheritance that he received from those Kings. There's so many more examples. So I want to share some of those with you today that Jesus was not poor. In fact, he came to minister to the poor. And again, you can't give what you haven't received. And so Jesus knew how to receive everything from the father. So he was able to give that back. And that's much more than wealth, but that's one of the things. Luke 4, 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. Some of you have been fighting a strategy battle when it's actually a soul battle. The Lord wants to set you free from the oppression that you have been in. Jesus was not poor. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Wanting more money is sinful. Money myth number four. Wanting more money is not sinful. Wanting more money for the wrong reasons could be. Setting a goal, and some of you are kind of, I, I know I've wrestled with this, like, wait, well, if I want to make more money, does that mean I'm not satisfied or I'm not content or I'm not thankful? Or does that mean I'm just working for money? Listen, all this is a heart issue. And so ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, what is it? But wanting more money is not sinful. You can't give what you haven't received. And so if we want to help the poor, we want to help the widows, we want to help the orphans, and we want to do whatever the assignment God's given us, well, there's usually money involved and we can serve other people throughout with just beyond money. We can serve them with our time, our talents. Maybe that's a challenge that God's saying to you, Hey, like I give you the money. What about your, your free time? What about your talents? What about your other resources? So there's other ways, but wanting more money in and of itself is not simple. However, God looks at the outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. What's the reason behind it? When you're setting your goals, have you ever thought about why do I want? And I think the, the, the 10K months has just become like the new, like everybody wants to have a 10K month because that just for some reason, I don't know why just a lot of people start talking about it, um, that 10K is like the thing. Maybe that's not your thing, but maybe you're just 1,000. Okay, why? But why 1,000? What are you going to do with that 1,000? And for the 10Kers, why not 100K? If you could help other people. So many times I hear Christian women say, if I could just make enough, especially newer in the entrepreneur space, like those of you who are like me and a mom, all I wanted was enough to be able to quit my job. Man, can I just say how selfish was that? That's selfish. I just wanted to, you know, be at home with me, my baby for me and mine, just so that I could be satisfied. Right. But man, God's like, Whoa, I have such a bigger thing for you. So let's take a look at money. Myth number five, more money, more problems. You ever heard the song? Have you ever heard the song, Mo Money, Mo Problems? I want you to stop and think about that. Listen, I want you to take that thought captive. Listen, some of the songs you're singing, ooh, you gotta be careful at some of the songs you're singing, even some Christian ones. It's like, no, 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 that actually is not true. More money, more problems. Can you think, if you really believe that, well, the more money I have, the more problems I'm going to have, the more taxes I'm going to need to pay, the more this, all the more that people are going to want from me, the more that, you know, my family's going to ask for help. Do you see how that could be toxic? If your money, if your mind actually believes that money is going to bring you more problems, your brain is going to do everything that it can to keep money away from you because your brain is wired to keep you safe. And if you think that problems are going to come be partnered with money, well, then your brain's going to be like, that's not safe. Listen, money is a tool. And the Bible says that God gives us the ability to produce wealth. Now, that doesn't mean we can just sit 
on our hands and not do anything, but he gives us the ability to produce wealth. And so it's that faith and that action coming together, believing that God wants to give us wealth and then taking our action and doing it, but not out of his strength and not, not ahead of him, not behind him, right with him. Again, the key to doing business with God. It's so it's, it changes everything. And we're going to talk tomorrow for day four about how do you do that? And how do you do that on a regular basis? I'm going to share with you my um, business meeting with Heaven blueprint. So join me tomorrow for that. Let's, let's talk about wealth. Wealth, it is by definition, an abundance of valuable material possessions or resources, riches, and I believe that the reason a lot of people have struggled with money is because they've been believing the lies that like having more of it is bad or the opposite of it, that that's going to provide all of my needs and that's going to solve all my problems. When money is in the hands of the right people, good things happen. You probably do know wealthy people who are not happy and maybe they do do not good things with their money. And I would encourage you to look for the people who do have the money and they're doing amazing things for other people. We can help more homeless. We can give more to our church. We can leave an inheritance for our children, which is actually biblical. We can save more orphans. We can feed and house more homeless. We can help more widows. We can do the things, those things that God may use those because those are biblical examples of what God calls us to do. But some of you have a dream and a burden on your heart that God wants you to be the problem solver for, you're the vessel for it, and yet you haven't quite learned how to receive from him. And can I encourage you, before I believe you're going to receive money from him, you need to learn how to receive his love. That is worth more than any financial gain. To receive the love of the Father will change your life. So, Instead of more money, more problems, just like yesterday, new level, new devil, I want to give you a new phrase. I believe it's more money, more glory to God and more souls for the kingdom. So speaking of widows, one of the, one of the, um, one of, I, I, I just have a burden for widows. I have met so many women, young women, my age. And so part of what we do here in Seek First, a portion of the proceeds that come into the inner circle actually is going back out. Listen, I want to put my money where my mouth is. And so I personally have given to different widows over time. We actually just partnered with an organization. One of the members here um, in Seek First went uh, on a trip uh, overseas and I technically don't know if it was overseas, but uh, she went into a very poor place. They don't have running water. So we actually are supporting, I haven't even shared this with the inner circle yet. We are funding and our, our inner circle is supporting a family. We're paying for um, really all of what they need in order to, uh, to feed them, to get them water, all of those things. And so I encourage you, where can you sow outside of your business? Like we're so quick to like want to make money so we can sow back into our business. But can I encourage you the parable of the sower? Like we want to also sow into other good soil. And so I just hope if that maybe stirs some of your hearts, that there's something else God is stirring in you. How can you also take the financial things that God is blessing you with more money? And instead of it being more problems, it being more glory to God because we're sowing into the kingdom. I'm so passionate about stimulating God's economy, which is why I love supporting other Christian entrepreneurs because we get to stimulate God's economy and sow back into the kingdom, sow back into another business. And so when you're looking to hire people, I encourage you come to the Seek First community. Say, hey, I need a graphic designer. Hey, I need a business coach. Hey, I need a photographer. Hey, I need this. Hey, I need a website design, whatever that looks like. And I'm mentioning a lot of service-based things, but uh, 
come to this community, go to other Christian communities, say, Hey, can I sow into your, can I sow a seed into your ministry, into your business tree? And I believe God will multiply that. All right. So we talked about a lot of these money myths. Let's talk about abundance. So this word abundance, what does the Bible say about it? There are around 68 verses. If you go to, um, I always use an app to like, if I want to do word studies. And so there are, I found 68 verses about abundance through in scripture, but for the sake of time, we're going to take a look at Jesus's life directly to see what his life showed us about abundance. Ephesians 3:20 says now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the powers that work in us. Ephesians was written by Paul while he was in a prison. So I got you to think about that. He was talking about abundance while he was in a prison. I think so oftentimes we think we're being punished and we're in a prison when again, God is positioning and pruning us. Do you think that you'd be able to say that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than I could ever ask or imagine? Listen, that's a kingdom mindset seeing from a kingdom perspective, even though I don't have, a, have, have it now or I haven't, right? I'm, I feel like I'm being punished or I'm in a prison. God is good. So where do we see abundance in the life of Jesus on earth? Let me just give you some ideas that changed my world. Did you realize that Jesus needed a treasurer for his ministry? In fact, Judas, the one who betrayed him, he was the treasurer. He was in charge of the money. And we know he actually stole money. Like he would often steal money out of that, out of the treasure. I don't know about you, but some of you don't have CPAs yet because you don't really have a lot. You don't have the money coming in to justify that. Maybe you're able to do your taxes alone. But listen, companies with like million dollar corporations, even, you know, whatever that looks like for you. Um, like I have a CPA because I'm like, I can't handle all this. Jesus's ministry was bringing in so much money that they needed a treasurer to like organize all the things and make sure that they had it all going to. I just wanted to let that sink in for a second. If Jesus was poor and there was like really nothing to his business. Uh, then why do they need a treasure? Jesus's first miracle, water to wine. And it wasn't just any wine. It was the best of the best. In fact, he saved it for last. So it was known that they like all had enough drink, probably were drunk. And um, they usually save the cheapest wine till last because nobody even knows at that point. But no, Jesus, to save this family from being humiliated, he gave them the best of the best. He didn't have to do that. And guess what? The wedding guests had more than enough, more than enough. God is a God of abundance. The feeding of the 5,000, you know the story probably. There was not only enough to feed the people, there was leftover. Jesus lived an abundant life. Do you know the story of Peter? They were fishing all night. They couldn't catch anything and they're frustrated. Um, and Jesus says to them, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Can you imagine how discouraged he was because he had been fishing all night and he yet, he was yet to catch anything, uh, like, I don't, like nothing of significance. Some of you are fishing on the wrong side of the boat and Jesus is like, throw it over there. Try that. And guess what happened? When they did, they were able to haul the net. They weren't even able to like pull the net up. It had so much fish in it. I know the enemy's tactic is discouragement to keep us from going. I want to encourage you to keep going, keep casting out your net. If God called you to it, first of all, make sure you're casting out the net into the right side of the boat. That's a whole other, a whole other lesson. Make sure, listen, not all good things are God things. Just because she's being successful in that business doesn't mean that's the calling on your life. Just because she joined.
join that network marketing company because it's the new one. It's the ground level thing. And it's the perfect opportunity. Doesn't mean that that's what God has for you. Make sure you're fishing on the right side of the boat and you don't stop casting the net just because you haven't seen the abundance of it. Jesus lived a life of abundance. We know that Jesus was about his father's business. And so we can also see that God is a God of abundance all throughout scripture. The man and the quail that he sent for the Israelites in the wilderness, more than enough. In fact, he said, don't take too much or it's going to spoil. So he gave them more than enough that if they needed any more, they could have it. But God was like, I want you to learn to trust me that I'll give you enough. And then I will come back tomorrow and give you enough. God's challenging us to believe the same thing today. Jesus, our God, was leading his people into the land flowing with milk and honey. Flowing means an abundance, more than enough. Are you beginning to see the God that we actually serve? So whatever you were taught or whatever lies or beliefs that you had about God, about Jesus, I hope the Holy Spirit is just showing you, wait, that might not be true. God is a good father and he is looking for the servant-hearted, humble vessels to be blessings to other people. And so we talked a little bit about abundance. Well, let's talk about the opposite of that. The opposite of abundance is what? Lack, not enough, never will be enough. Some of you even mentioned that. Um, it's, just, it's just not enough. And you're never content with what you have. Really, poverty doesn't just mean that, you know, you're living in a third world country, and you don't have water. Some of you have a poverty spirit, a poverty mindset that is preventing you from living the abundance, living in that land flowing in milk and honey. I really believe this is one of the big things holding Christian entrepreneurs back is a poverty spirit. I think one on the one side, it's a, it's the spirit of mammon. I think on the other side, it's the opposite. It's this poverty spirit. So what is the poverty spirit? It's really a cousin to the spirit of mammon or I don't know, a niece or something. It makes you worry about money. It makes you discontent. It makes you always feeling like there's not enough. And when that happens and you feel like there's not enough for you, there's never going to be enough. And oh my gosh, I'm never going to get there. Well, then you in turn, you just stop to be generous. Because you think if there's not enough for you, your brain is wired to keep you safe. So if it's not enough for you, how could you ever give it to somebody else? And so then you tend to lack generosity. Really keeps you stuck in that mindset. Like, like I said about me and wanting to be home with my child. If I can just make enough for my family, it'll be okay. What about the other people that were called to serve, right? Sometimes it'll make you feel entitled. Maybe from a victim mindset that, oh, well, that, you know, I'm less fortunate than. Uh, and so... They owe me so that we can be, I can, I can have more. Poverty spirit keeps you in a receiving mode rather than giving and serving and sowing. So here are five other signs that you may have been influenced by the poverty spirit. Number one, chronic long-term lack. And this could be generational for you. Again, I believe some of you are called to break this poverty spirit off of you and your family and your, the generations all the way back to Adam and Eve and the future generations. Listen, it's a lofty, it's, 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 a, it's an assignment, not for the faint of heart, but Jesus has given us the tools to be able to do it. Another sign that you might be influenced by the spirit is that you resent wealthy people. You think that they're bad and that maybe they've cheated people to get to where they are and that like rich people are mean or rich people are bad. Listen, that could be a sign of a poverty spirit. Also feeling like you need to give your work away for free, not actually seeing your value and your worth. And don't get me don't get this confused here. Uh, I do a lot of stuff for free. I sew a lot. 
but I don't do it just because I don't feel like I'm, I'm worth it. I feel like it's what God's asking me to do this. This is free. You don't have to do this, but a lot of you will stay stuck in serving for free because you don't see the value that you actually carry. You don't see the anointing. And sometimes we don't see the anointing because we don't spend time with the Lord so that he gives us more oil. You can't pour from an empty cup. Another sign, maybe that you don't want to pay for things, right? Maybe you're always looking for handouts, not wanting to pay for services. Some of you might be convicted right now that you like are ready to, to hire that coach or pay for that new website or whatever. And you're just like, oh, I don't have enough. I can't do it. And I'm not saying to spend frivolously and um, not, you know, not be smart, good stewards with your money, but you can't always feel like there's never enough and because you'll never make progress. I don't know about you. I have spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars uh, to grow myself and to grow my business. And so don't be afraid. Always only listen. Some of you are stuck in doing all the free things, downloading all the free things um, at some point. Right. You, 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 God's going to want you to sew back into someone else. And that's part of that sewing. Not giving back to the Lord is another sign. Feeling like you don't have enough to give to him. We could talk about tithing and giving. That's a whole other lesson. It's actually one of the lessons in uh, business street or in the inner circle in one of the programs that I have. We talk about tithe and giving. But listen, everything that we have comes from the Lord. And so it's it's our honor. It's our pleasure. It's our, it's just, it's a, it's a gift that we are able to give it back to the Lord. So the poverty spirit is another one that we must break free from. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, but thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, covenant, which he swears unto thy fathers at it is this day. Do you believe that, that he wants to give you wealth? The enemy would love to keep you from receiving that wealth that Jesus paid for. And again, wealth is not just money. I feel like I got to keep saying that, but it's not just money. So how do you do that? One, you ask the Holy Spirit to show you any sin in your life. Where have I come in partnership, in agreement with? Where have I let fear of money or that I have come into agreement with this spirit of poverty? And I've said, oh, there's never enough. There's lack, all of that, right? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to you and then repent. Change your mind, turn away from, talk to God about it. Again, this is in your workbook. And then you renounce that spirit of poverty out loud. What does renounce mean? Like, it's like, you know, again, I love looking up definitions. It's to decide or declare that one will no longer adhere to a belief or a position. So we actually say it out loud saying, devil, I am not going to come into agreement with you. I do not believe that I'm lacking. And then you reclaim God's truth. What is that? I'm blessed when I go in. I'm blessed when I go out. God gives me the ability to produce wealth. I am generous. I have a giving spirit, all these things. And I have some declarations for you written in the workbook as well. So you can start speaking these truths over your life. Three money mindsets. I'm going to run through this because I do have to go to the seek first inner circle. Um, we have a coaching call here in just a couple minutes, but there's three different money mindsets. I want you to ask yourself, ask the Lord, which one am I? Uh, poverty mindset. We talked a lot about, I'll never have enough. Some of you are here and you're here in today's boot camp. I hope you're seeing that. Oh my gosh, I am lacking because I have a poverty spirit. I have a mindset around poverty. So here's this next level is the provision mindset. And I would imagine that most of you are here. Most of you do believe God is Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. He's going to give you all you need. But here's the real, and you might really struggle with the flesh and the soul and that like, wait, what's a need versus a want? We're human, Right. And listen, the provision mindset's not a bad place to be. It's, it's, it's a good place to be, but I believe there's a better place to be. And that is a prosperity mindset. Now, before all you 
I'm not going to say all you, because I believe no one here is going to be religious before your little religious panties get wrapped up. I'm not talking about the unhealthy prosperity gospel. What I'm talking to you about is the biblical sense of prosperity. And it is in there. It is everywhere. It is so many places. I don't have enough time to tell you all the verses, but a prosperity mindset is someone who believes I will have more than enough so that I can fulfill my calling and I can help other people fulfill theirs. First Timothy 6, 17 says, command those who are rich in the present age, not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. What is prosperity in a biblical senseless? And I think so many teachers spend so much time talking about prosperity in an unhealthy way and bashing people who do the prosperity gospel. And they focus so much on that, that then people start to believe that prosperity is bad and prosperity is wrong. Prosperity is your inheritance. There is such a thing as a biblical correct position and, and mindset around prosperity. So let's not focus on all the wrong ways that it's taught. Let's focus on the right way that it's being taught. One of my mentors, Pastor Jim Baker, not to be confused with Tammy Faye Baker, he says the definition of prosperity is being debt-free, because friends, that is biblical for us to be debt-free and having more than enough to fulfill our calling so that you can help other people fulfill theirs. And that's going to look different for someone who lives in Hollywood and who is serving the, you know, that, that kind of elite mentality and someone working in a third world country. But prosperity is you being debt free, having more than enough to fulfill your calling and having more than enough to help other people fulfill theirs. I don't know about you, but I, do you want a prosperity mindset? Yes. And amen. Drop prosperity below. Not that we give to God so that we can get from God. Not that the only way God blesses us through health and wealth. No, that's not true. Uh, however, there is a biblical, healthy sense of prosperity. So which one are you? What has the Lord revealed to you today? Has the spirit of mammon been tying up the blessings God wants to give you? Has the spirit of poverty? And there's all kinds of other spirits, right? There's other kinds of things, greed, pride, all the other things. What is God showing you today? Do not stay stuck and just like end today and think I am terrible. No, 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 no. no. God, Jesus is calling you to freedom. He's saying, yes, now that we've taken that thought captive, let's make it obedient to Christ. Now that we actually know what we've been believing because of our actions, maybe we're not saying it out loud that money is my idol and that I, you know, I'm, I'm in agreement with the spirit of mammon. Like that sounds all biblical. Like, no, but your actions are showing it, right? My actions show it. And I'm like, wait, I have to say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing where I'm off. I repent. I turn my mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I repent, I renounce, renouncing, and then I am going to actually reclaim truth. I'm going to make this thought obedient to Christ. I'm going to be transformed by this renewing of my mind so that I can then go out and do what God's called me to do. I can fulfill my calling with no fear, faith, and I can help other people fulfill theirs because I have more than enough. So I know this was a lot today. Listen, if you feel like, oh my goodness, you need some more of this in your life. Join the inner circle. Your homework today. Love reading your takeaways. Please share your takeaways. There is freedom in this lesson today. Jesus wants you to walk and live in full freedom. 